Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. Today's guest founded his first company when he was 26 years old. It went public when he was 29, and he was one of the youngest people to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. In 2019, he co-founded Cardone Ventures with Grant Cardone. My guest today, Brandon Dawson. So welcome, Brandon. So glad that you could be here today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. I've been following you for a while. And actually, you know, um, I work for Tom Ferry International and we, um, Grant actually was one of the guest speakers. I think it was at the summit a couple of years ago. So I am familiar, but our audience may not be. So we're going to like kind of go from the very beginning. And I always like to start where you came from. I do know that you started your first company when you were 26 years old and brought it public when you were 29. And actually were one of the youngest people to ring the New York, the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. So why don't, why don't we start there? How, how does somebody do that at um, 26? Well, you, you know, you have to, <laughs> I was a 2.4 high school GPA. I, uh, you know, I, I, I may, had to make a decision that I wanted to do something big and have the tenacity to grind through every step of the way to stay focused on doing something big. I had a great job. Uh, I moved from Portland, Oregon when I graduated high school to Atlanta, Georgia and became an outside sales rep and loved working, loved just being on my own. I traveled 11 states. I was fairly independent. And I did a really good job, but I always had this idea that one day I wanted to run something. I used to dream about it when I'd sit on the tractor mowing the orchard and picking up walnuts doing, I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. No. So. Well, you said, okay, so you had a 2.4 GPA. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to assume because there's no way you have to be smart to have done what you've done. So why was your grade average so low? I hated school. I, I wasn't a good student. I, I would rather do. I, I just couldn't yeah. stand sitting and learning. Um, and, and so, and I didn't, I, I, I learned early on, uh, see, I used to work on the walnut orchard. My parents needed the money from the walnut orchard to send my brothers and I to this little private Christian school that they were committed to sending us to. And my junior year, I got grounded because I was sneaking, I was doing football practice, going to school and I was a bus boy at night so I could afford gas money. And I got this girlfriend. So I'd sneak over to her house before I'd come home and I was breaking curfew. So my dad and my, my stepmom grounded me. And they were going out of town for a week and they said, you need to pick the whole walnut orchard. And I hated those freaking walnuts because your hands would get stained and it was nasty. People would make fun of me. I went to school one day after they left town and I saw a note on this uh, that the seniors were putting on the lockers saying senior fund drive. They were trying to raise $1,000 for the class trip. That was the first entrepreneurial seizure as as uh, Michael Gerber would talk about it, that I was like, I wonder if I could get some seniors to come over and help me and then I could go see my girlfriend. And so I invited the senior class and they, they came in droves and brought their family. And we, we just picked that thing clean in three days. And then I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to run the calculator and figure out the, the money, but I knew my parents needed $5,500 to put us through school. So I made up, I made up a number and all the parents bought the walnuts and ended up generating like $8,800. I never touched any walnuts. I didn't have to do anything. My parents came home and they were like, this place is pristine. And I had eight, uh, 7,800 after I paid the seniors. And, and they were like, what happened? So I explained it to them. I was all excited about this newfound uh, entrepreneurial idea. 
of me not having to do anything and everyone else doing all the work. <laughs> and, and they, were, they were ticked off at me because they were like, uh, you know, uh, that wasn't the point. You're supposed to be grounded. So there were some lessons I, I learned from that experience, which is the more people you throw at a problem where you've got uh, an intended outcome that you want to get, then, then the faster it gets done. Yes. Second thing is the very thing you might actually hate for me, I hated the walnuts, uh, could be the thing that creates life for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then the third thing is don't talk about the what you do, talk about the impact of what you do. None of those parents showed up to pick up walnuts and they certainly didn't buy them all because they all wanted walnuts. They did it to show their kids that they loved them. It was a kind of this, you're getting ready to leave and we want to support you thing. And so it, it resonated with me while I was working because I always learned, I, I learned real soon, throw more people at it, have a different message, have the message be around the impact and find reasons people should transact and do business with you that doesn't center around the thing you're actually doing. Yeah. And I think, and that stuck with me and I just became a great salesperson and then uh, I was making a lot of money. I'd moved to Minnesota, got married young, had a two and a half year old and a brand new baby. And I quit my job making 150 grand a year at 25, 26 years old, because I saw an opportunity where my customers for the company I worked with were just shutting their businesses down. And, and because they were at the end of their life cycle, they weren't selling, there was nobody buying them. And I thought, well, why not? Why doesn't somebody buy these businesses? So I went to the owner of the business. I said, we should be buying. He said, can't. It's a conflict with my other customers. So I said, okay, I got an idea. I'll see you later. Quit my job. I had between selling my house and some cash I saved, I had enough for a year to live. Mm-hmm. And I went out and, and presented to about, and I moved back to Portland, Oregon. And I drove all over the Pacific Northwest meeting business owners that I knew were older saying, I know you're almost at retirement age. If you're thinking of selling, don't just shut your business down. I'd like to buy it, but I don't have any money. So I'll, I'll, you give me a note for three years, I'll buy half, you keep the other half, I'll build it to the next level, and then you'll make more working with me than working by yourself. You know, I made about 50 or 100 of those presentations, and I finally found someone who had a $3 million business, and we did that deal. And I parlayed that into a, a multi, uh, you know, the $70 million public company at 29, reading the opening bell of the American Stock Exchange. It was not easy. So you know, I, I've heard a couple of things in there. First of all, you know, you, you want to have an incentive to incentivize other people. And, you know, I had this conversation recently that I think a lot of companies are doing things backwards. They don't give their employees enough incentive. And then they wonder why there's such a high turnover rate, right? Uh, second thing I heard, so you had this idea, you know, and it, it, I uh, was interviewing Jeff Bensner and it sounds like a very similar story. He was making a lot of money, but he had just bought his house. He was in his early twenties and he had a fiance. I don't think he had a baby yet, but he did the same thing, sold the house, moved in with his parents to go for something completely different, but he, he saw a niche. Now for you, did you, did you believe it was it that you believed in yourself that much or you just felt like this is a slam dunk of an idea or was it both? I mean, because I'm sure that a lot of people were like, are you crazy? I mean, you've got two kids, you know, you've got a house payment, you know, a year, it sounds like it could be a long time. You know, the older you get, you realize that goes like that. So you better really know how to execute this. You know, what happened is I was working in a business where I was really achieving a lot. And most of the people I worked with were a lot older than me and they were continuing to do. And I was seeing them and saying, I don't want to be them in 30 years. Like I want to, I want to do, I don't want to be trapped doing what I'm doing at 25 at 60. 
And so I just knew the longer I stayed there and the more comfortable and the more money I was going to be trapped. And so I made a plan. I was going to save enough money and move on. I didn't know what I was going to do until this situation dawned on me. And, uh, you know, I just grinded and grinded. I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I had to raise my first million. I, I made a hundred presentations. I was laughed out of most of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just had to sharpen, you know, sharpen my, my, my pencil and, and be smarter at how I communicated and articulated. And, you know, as a high school graduate, people would start asking me about my credentials or my degree or, and then they'd be like, why would we give a kid that's never done shit money? And I had to endure that. And, and it was tough, but I broke through, finally raised my first million. Then I started buying a lot of businesses and putting them together and I didn't know how to build teams. And so there was a lot of mistakes there. I went from that to raising 6 million with mentors. I found some phenomenal mentors who are willing to take me under their wing and try to help me. And, and I really ingratiated myself to them and, and they gave me the money and they gave me the help. And then I, all of a sudden I was in New York, the thing I used to dream about mowing the orchard on the tractor, uh, 88th floor of the World Trade Center, you know, doing deals, raising $18 million with one of the largest private equity groups in the globe. And it just really like happened fast once it started happening. But one day my private equity groups calls me right when I'm figuring everything out and starting to finally make money and created this new program that went from zero to a million a month of profit in 36 months. Like I just had finally got the model just starting to crank. They call me and say, hey, we want to sell. We're liquidating the fund you're in. So we have to sell your business. And, and I said, no, yeah, no. They said, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come out to New York? Came out. And I said, guys, we're just starting to conquer and take off all my, all this dream. It's happening. And they're like, yeah, but it's still small. You know, we're, you're in a $2 billion fund that's already worth six and a half billion. We have to convert you to cash. So, you know, the other CEO that's going to sell your business is in the next room. Sorry, this is kind of the way it goes. And I went straight to rock bottom. In fact, I saw a picture of myself the other day in May of 2001. I went on a two-week tour with an international company on the Orient Express to celebrate a massive supply agreement that I did with them. I had all the leverage in the United States. I was the only person buying. I had international. I had people throwing money to do international stuff. And I did a supply agreement where the supplier gave me $20 million of free capital in exchange for a supply agreement. And we went to celebrate. I got, I was at the peak of my career. And I came home from that. And one week later, I was fired and they were selling my business. I mean, it went, you know, when it turns, it can turn fast. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So well, I left, yeah. tried to buy my business back and they sold it so fast. And then September 11th happened. So I just, it's just like everything came to a halt. So how did you get yourself out of that? I was in a rut. And one of my mentors, I kept bitching about it for like a year. Oh, these guys, look what they did. And finally, my closest mentor, Hector Lamarck, said, dude, uh, you know, I only spend time with positive people and you're a freaking drainer. And if you continue to be a drainer or you choose to turn it around because the remarkable stuff you conquered and did against all odds, you're not focused on that. You're just focused on the outcome of the first thing you did. And you're going to do hundreds of things in your life. So, mm-hmm. so you can either hear me out or we can never play golf together. And he was my best friend. Both we were low handicappers. So I pulled over on the side of the fairway and took a pencil out. And he said, the, t- the future is the total sum of every granular moment that starts right now. Love it. If Love you're it. not talking about your future and you're not visualizing it and you're not so intently focused on it, 
that it shapes your present moment decisions, you'll never move to your future. And what you think about is what you talk about. What you talk about is what you do. And what you do is ultimately what you're known for. And all you keep talking about is the mistakes, which means I already know you're just going to find more mistakes. Exactly. And exactly. That, that 10 minutes changed everything for me forever. It, it's absolutely true. It's a domino. I was on a, a, the phone with a client extra long today. And I was just like, all I'm hearing is our excuses. You know, you say you want this, you say you want that, you know, you're, you're getting further and further away every time this bullshit keeps coming out of your mouth. You know what I mean? And nobody's going to be able to save you except yourself. And you know what? It's, it's here. It's what you tell yourself, you know, not only for like it dictates your actions and your actions become your reality. Right. But like you said, nobody wants to be around somebody that's complaining all the time. Right. Because all of us have things to complain about. We can all find that. Right. But it's finding like the 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 things that you want to do and the things that will help push you forward. And you know, yeah, you know, my advice, my advice to people is when you start to talk about something to, that you're complaining about, then you need to follow it up with, and here's what I'm going to do about it. Love it, love it, yeah. Because move we, off. Like, it. We know what the problem is. Where's the solution? People yeah. get stuck on just focusing on the problem as opposed to the, the solution, right? You're right. not you're not going to attain your goals that way. So. So tell us about um, joining up and, and co-founding uh, Cardone Ventures with, with Grant. Yeah, so, so you know what's funny is that I started out as a consolidator in all the companies that private equity groups said, you could be like this, you could be, they actually went out of business before I was sold. So I knew there's a problem with consolidation and I had bought 130 businesses and I was struggling integrating them. And then I created a franchise offering the same things to business owners that I didn't buy, they were using my stuff and crushing it. And then my own businesses were refusing to use it. So after the business sold, I thought about doing a little research on all these, what should have been, according to all the Wharton and Harvard kids, no brainers that didn't work. And it led me on a path of understanding that I was a shitty leader. So Hector introduced me to John Maxwell and then Robert Anthony, beyond positive thinking, all the thinking results in, in your activities, which results in the outcomes. And so I really went on a self-discovery and it dawned on me in the middle of that, after about a year, 2003, it dawned on me, the problem with consolidation is the cram down model. We're going to buy you, we're going to load the value on the front end, and then we're just going to shove all the costing down and we're going to move people into executing bigger, better, faster. There's no inspiration. There's, there's, it's, it's just like now all of a sudden everything's hard, just like public companies, quarter, 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 quarter. Everything is transactional, short-term thinking, and always feels oppressive. And I thought, I wonder what would happen if you could create a business model where independent business owners could get the benefit of consolidation, but they have the inspiration of owning their whole business, like no bosses. Could they do better? And so, so then I was like, okay, how would you construct it? And I started talking to people and they're like, eh, I don't know how you do it. So so I thought, okay, I want to construct something that's a win-win. So I want to create a business model where the independent, independent business owners get the full advantage of having a full infrastructure dedicated to them and their mission and their growth that isn't their boss. In fact, I want to switch. I want to reverse the consolidation theory and most important, the psychological aspect of it. So instead of me buying you and shoving it down, I want them to own a piece of me and I'll build it for them and then they'll just use it. Mm -hmm. So that was the theory. Okay. Problem was there was no equity structure for that, like where they can own me and I can work for them and you'd violate tax or franchise rules and all this stuff. So I went on a mission to figure out what that equity structure could look like. So again, I just dug in working with lawyers, working with accountants. I'm just the kind of person, I'm not, I'm not a smart guy, but I am a why guy. 
So I know how to ask everybody the hard questions and I know when they're full shit. So I kept saying, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Well, lo and behold, after eight attempts with the SEC, I got an exemption on my equity model that I created and I reverse engineered an LLC model to create a co-owned equity structure. I went out to a bunch of business owners and said, if you work with me, you're going to own my business. I'm not going to own any of your business, but I'm going to build the things you need to take your business up by five, 10 times bigger than your peer group. And I launched that business with my last half a million dollars after paying the lawyers and building the equity. So I launched it in June of 2004 and did $600,000 in six months in June. Uh, never, and in that window, I just scaled the business with what little bit of money I had using the principles I created that for every month of revenue, I want to try to create another month of, rev of, of run rate. So it started out very granular. I have 90 days of money when I launch. I want to create a fourth month of run rate in the 90 days. So I had to generate a profit. So it, it, I had these principles in my mind because the last business, I raised money, I spent money, then I built the infrastructure, and then I tried to fix it. And you know, I'm just always working in arrears. This time, a principle was, I never want to talk about money. I want money to work for scaling and growing the business where I don't have any debt, I don't have to borrow any money, and I don't have anybody that's involved with the equity structure. That was a principle of mine. Mm -hmm. So I started that business with my half a million bucks. By the third month, I created the fourth month. By the fourth month, I created the fifth month. I kept doing it month by month by month. Second year, I did two and a half million and I made a half a million. Third year, I did five million and I made a million and a half. Just parlayed it up to doing 35, 38 million, making two million, although I could have been making six, but I realized about halfway in 2008, nine and 10, all the manufacturers were buying retail the way I did back in the late 90s. I knew that they couldn't run it. So I, I pivoted the business to creating an R&D team, a technology team, and a business development team. And I went to creating software to make the business work really super easy mm -hmm. and then deployed it through all these independent businesses. And they outgrew their peer groups three and a half to 15 times in performance and value. So I got the attention of these manufacturers, these multi-billion dollar companies. And so I, I started that business, generated 50 million of profits. I reinvested those profits, grew the business to 200 employees. And then in 2016, we sold the business for 77 times EBITDA, which is one of the highest valuations ever paid for a operating company. And this, this is Audigy you're talking about. That's correct. Okay. 151 million. But what I did in the last eight years is I really focused on the business principles that I used to build my business. And I reverse engineered them and taught independent business owners across multiple industries how to do this. And, and they were all winning. And I was like, this is the winning formula. Then I built some technology around. It. So consequently, the public company that bought me, everyone said they were crazy because they paid 77 times even 151 million. They were 1625 a share when they bought me. Four years later, my team still runs the operations for that public company. They've turned their C-suite over twice. My team has stayed there. And the stock today is at $79. So we added $4 billion in value. 79. 79. And it was so we 16. added $4 billion in value. Interesting. So, so it was a phenomenal deal for them. It was fabulous for us. But what it also let me do is test my systems going into a billion-dollar company, taking it. Right, exactly. 
So the reason to answer, to answer your question, then once I got out of that company, I went to Grant Cardone because I hired a research firm and said, who's working with these? I've been doing research since 2010 in all these different industries. Yeah. Uh, FTI out of Chicago, IGS out of Boston, the same companies the private equity groups work for, reverse engineering all these industries that were going through consolidation issues. So I had a target list of about 50 different verticals. Mm-hmm. So then I went to my research company. I said, is there anybody that, that outside the private equity groups that work in these verticals? And they were struggling in traditional business to find anybody like consulting businesses or anything else. And my fiance said, how about Tony Robbins? How about uh, Gary uh, Vanderchuk? How about Grant Cardone? So I started looking at Tony. I started looking at Gary. Tony, I love, but he had all his own stuff going on. Gary was talking about garage sales and baseball cards. Uh, great dude though. Yeah. And then we landed on... Grant, and at first I was so turned off because I saw one YouTube. I'm like, this, I'm a traditional business guy. My mentors now are personal friends and mentors are John Maxwell, Jim Collins, Sharon Lecter, like people I've developed deep rooted relationships. And all of a sudden, the first YouTube video I see is this guy going, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is not for me. But then I read his book. She made me, my fiance made me read his book. Said, you got to read his book. As soon as I started in a 10X rule, because there's a thing, and you know this, when you know what you know, like the minute somebody starts to speak with, well, I tried that, or it, it didn't work for me. You, you already know what's wrong. Like you don't need any other definition. You don't need to hear it. You know, they got a broken thinking. They created a broken, broken result and now they validate it. And now they're going to die with it. Exactly, exactly. You don't need any more BS. You don't meet people that, that, that don't understand this, when you're working with high performance people, you can see it in their energy and their body language even before they speak. Well, totally. So I hired that research firm and I said, I want you to do research on Grant Cardone. Like, I don't know much about him on his business aspect. They came back and said 60% of the verticals you've done 10 years worth of work on, he's got a sales training business that sells to 60% of those verticals. Ah. So I'm like, we're going to growth company. And then we made it, did what I do. I created the intention with Natalie to meet Grant and Elena, present to them what I had built. And we launched a partnership. Uh, it'll be almost 18 months ago. And we are working with thousands of businesses already. Fantastic. That is such a great story. You know, looking back on this, okay. I mean, let me ask you this question. Maybe at the time it would have been different, but would you say that, do you believe that everything does happen for um, a reason for our highest and best good? I believe that if you choose to believe that, you'll take whatever happens and learn from it to create your best version of yourself. I believe that you're either intentionally creating or you're drifting. And I believe the universe has a much bigger perspective about what the opportunity is, but you have to take the action yourself to move into that. It's not going to happen for you. And if it does, you won't recognize it and you'll probably screw it up at some point anyway. So when I look backwards at all the decisions I made, I cost myself well over a hundred million with two or three bad decisions. Do I wish I had better visibility or clarity or awareness? Absolutely. I'm, but would I be the person I am today if that shit didn't happen? Probably not. So exactly. So I believe that if you choose to believe that things happen for you and you trust that, so you're always working on the best version and intentionality of yourself, you'll take anything that didn't work for you and you'll turn it into an asset. Right, exactly. Perfect. I love that. So, um, 
that's probably, you said that was the rock bottom of yours. So I was going to ask you to tell a story, but you, you basically already told that. So you keep talking about mentors, which I believe, you know, I think has been uh, undervalued and almost everybody that I have on my show talks about it. having a mentor and how important it is, uh, a coach and a mentor, because they're two different things. You, um, how would you, and you, you are, tell us about your mentor programs. Cause I know that you have something that is called mentor programs, correct? Yeah. So I, I just took what I did. I, uh, Hector started with Hector and he introduced me to Robert Anthony. I read beyond positive thinking. He introduced me to 21 year feudal laws. I read John Maxwell. Then I read Jim Collins work. And then I rebuilt all this. It, it, it crystallized the mistakes I made. And I was like, gosh, I wish I had known this before. And I moved this is creating your intentionality. I moved from reading their work two years later, going in their businesses and helping them in their businesses with the stuff I learned from them, but put it all together based on my experience. So my mentors moved from people I didn't know to people that I'm close to and I'm friends with and I'm executing within their business, helping them as a give back for what they gave to me. So consequently, I became very close to John. I've worked with Gerber. I've worked with Sharon. I've worked with, with you know, it's just like my mentors all of a sudden became my inner circle. Mm -hmm. And so I manifested that. I an example of that because I talked about it before I ever met Grant. If you go back and watch the B. Dawson show, I talked about mentors, how to attract them in your life, how to ingratiate yourself. Where do you find that? I'm sorry. The B. It's Dawson my, uh, show? personal podcast is called the B. Dawson show on iTunes. Okay. I, write I talk about mentors before I partnered with Grant Cardone. And I said, we're heading to GrowthCon and I'm going to make Grant. I'm going to move into a relationship where I'm going to work with Grant. Now, I said that before I even met Grant. So, so you manifested that. I, I manifested. I wanted to create a record of exactly how to do that. So mm -hmm. what I teach is for people to exactly learn how to do that. But I, I got an interesting point when you said, oh, I was going to ask you about rock bottom, but you already covered that. Interestingly enough, I haven't actually covered my rock bottom yet because in 2002, when I lost my business, I was devastated. Okay. When I sold my business and I got them hundred million dollars, I was devastated. I went through a year where I was devastated because I lost my purpose. All of a sudden, everything that I was doing and fighting for just went away. Yep. And people will say, well, yeah, we had a hundred million dollars. I get emotional talking about it. I am so glad that you brought that up because you know what? That was I, my rock bottom. When I had a hundred million in the bank and I didn't think I had the courage to go to the next level and I was going to give up on all the things I dreamed about. I love, I, you know what? I, I, I think that is so inspirational. And I know that to be true because that has happened in my life too. When, you know, the, one of the best things that ever happened to me, and I share this, I lost everything, whether it was career, money, personal, it all disappeared at one time. And when I was going through it, I just didn't know if I was going to make it to the next day. And now that I'm on the other side, I needed to learn those lessons about myself. And I've never been in a better place. And so those of you that are watching and think, if only I had the money, then everything would fix all my problems. Well, you know what? If you don't have a purpose and a passion, the money means nothing. That's what you're saying, right? So uh, somebody yeah, were to say to you, if somebody were to say to you, would you rather live on you know, $100,000 a year and have a passion or, you know, be making a million dollars a year doing something like, like something that you're just not interested in and that you're just existing every single day. 
I'd say that uh, neither of those choices would be the choice I would make because I, I believe if you are passionate about something and you're smart about it and you understand how to create the impact, you're going to get big accidentally. So you don't need to focus on the money. The money, you know, financial freedom is what people, it, 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 I, I help people redefine financial freedom. Freedom is your definition of where you see yourself in the future and creating that and manifesting it. For some people, it's having a lot of money. For some people, it's about doing amazing and remarkable things. For some people, it's about saving lives. For some people, it's about going to wars and, and winning them. For you know, Whatever that is to people. If you're a fighter, it's about being the champion UFC fighter. Right. So, so now money follows success and, and success follows money. So that, 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 that's, that cycles. Um, but at any point, if you're not happy about where you're at, you're not actually going to be as successful as you could be. So, so you can't have one without the other. And what people, what you're saying is what makes you move is the inspiration of conquering and creating and doing something. Yes. The money will eventually follow that. But when you remove that, that the money doesn't matter. The money actually makes you feel the money actually creates a false sense of security that you even get more upset at yourself because you're like, I've got this money. Now what if I lose it and look like a dipshit because I don't really want to work or I'm not making good decisions or whatever. And in my case, I had been pushing for this dream of reinventing small to mid-sized business for the last 20 years, taking the principles I created. And then all of a sudden my business sold the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that were dependent on me are no longer dependent on me. They're dependent on my team and the business that bought me. And I had to stare the fact, do I want to now live a life where I've got this freedom? See, I went through two marriages building. There's a lot of stress, a lot of friction, a lot of resistance, a lot of disruption when you're all in grinding and things aren't working. And unfortunately, the byproduct of that is something gives somewhere else. Exactly. So now all of a sudden, I've got this fiance who's half my age. She's amazing. She's smart. And I'm like, I want to enjoy my life. I've never enjoyed my life. I just want to take a year or two and do nothing. Well, after a year of that, she's like, dude, I'm out of here because I want to build. And, and I don't care how much money you have. I ain't, I ain't going to just party or not party, but like go on the beach and be in Cabo and go there and go cruises. And I don't want to do it after about nine months of that. So it's funny. We went to our house in Cabo and we were there for a week and we're like, might as well stay another week. In the middle of the second week, we both got sick. And she was really sick and I was really sick. And we were like, why are we here? We're both sick. When we both felt better three or four days later, I looked at her and she said, we're sick because we, we we're not doing anything. And I said, let's go to build mode. And that's when she started looking and that's how we found Grant. And then to reprogram and rewire because Grant became that next mentor that elevated reinvigorated, re-elevated, refocused that enthusiasm and drive. So I ran, I, I was getting heavy. I was fat. I was like lazy. So every day I'd go out and run for, for a half hour, hour. And I'd listen 10X rule, 10X rule, sell, be sold, 10X rule, 10X, until it hypnotically reprogrammed and rewired me being the, oh, sorry, I feel bad for myself. What am I going to do to, you know what you're doing? You know where you're going. Why are you not taking control and doing it and reaffirming to myself I'm in charge. I'm in control. And yes. I was running. We're building a home in Scottsdale. And I was running between the condo and the home. And I, I was listening to it. And I was just like, I started running faster and faster and faster. And our home is at the top of Camelback. And all of a sudden, I'm walking up to the home. I'm like, I just sprinted to the top of Camelback. 
I didn't even know I was running because I was, I got back into that visualization of the things I was going to create, what I was going to do. And who was, I hadn't even met Grant. That was four months before yep. I met Grant. Yep. So it works. I teach people how to do it. I'm transforming businesses. It's what I'm passionate about. Natalie is my uh, executive VP of operations. She runs the operating team. We went in, we started last year. We had, uh, by the end of last year, we had five employees. By COVID, we had nine. COVID hit. We're at 30 today. We'll be at 50 by the end of the year. And we've got thousands of businesses we're working with that we're reshaping, rechanging, and rewiring their thought process so their actions can follow their thinking. And that, and, and life is just absolutely remarkable. Right. I, you know, I think this is so important because I think there's too many people that their goal is to reach retirement. Okay. And, and the studies are showing the more and more people that are retiring, either going back to work, unfortunately, a lot of it could be monetarily, but a lot of people die shortly after. And it, it yeah, just my best friend, we sold his business. He was healthy as an ox. He was like, he was like bone crusher. We played pickleball on my 50th birthday in Cabo San Lucas in 95 degree weather for two hours. And he went down on the beach. He's like, I think I pulled my calf muscle. He dropped dead of a heart attack two months later to clip a branch before he went with his wife out of the country. And we had just sold his business that I helped him build. He put 4 million in the bank. They just bought a place in Vail and they were like, we don't have to work anymore dead two months later. And this is a guy that got up and grinded every single day his whole life. So you're thinking it's because for the last couple of months, he had, he had no purpose. He had no reason. He didn't to have to get up. So yep. exactly. whatever was pushing him, whatever, or, you know, it could be just, could be what it is. But the point is, it could be the universe looking out for his wife because we sold the business and maybe that, maybe the universe knew that was going to happen and she needed to be taken care of. And, and so the, the idea of what you said is you can't guess the universe's purpose. You can only strive to understand if you're tapping fully into it and control the controllable, which is how you engage the universe. In the pull, yeah, in, you, in your full potential, exactly. And you know, I you said, um, it's one of my mantras is, um, when you do what you love, the money will follow. And I think that we've been taught things backwards since we were little, you know, um, parents to their children, if they, you know, they kids use their imaginations and they are really, really in touch with themselves. And then all of a sudden we get older. Well, what do you want to do when you, you ask any child? Everyone starts conforming you. Everyone exactly. starts. That's exactly. the problem with our country today. Yeah, it, exactly. And you know what? They know what they want to do, but they've been told by too many people, oh, that's not realistic or that's not going to make you enough money. And then all of a sudden we wonder why we're so confused as adults. Okay. So yeah, and that was written about, you know, that was written about in the personal memoirs uh, of Napoleon Hill in Outwitting the Devil. And if you read Outwitting the Devil, which was written in the 30s, Sharon published it uh, for Napoleon Hill Foundation, I don't know, maybe five or eight years ago. Uh, if you read that book, he perfectly describes the difference between active engagement, which are the people that can't be controlled and manipulated, in society, 50 or 100 years later, they'll be the outliers. They'll be the people everyone says has a problem. And the <laughs> drifters, the people that are conforming and being managed and being manipulated by fear and anxiety and, and walking like blind sheep, they'll be the, the rule. And if you are outside of that, you'll be an outlier. And, exactly. You know, I, Exactly. Exactly. Because most people are the, the, you know, most people are the followers. There's not too many leaders. So what would you say to somebody that's in high school that's doing poorly? 
I mean, I think this reflects a lot about our school curriculum. I'm not going to go too much into that right now, but I mean, I was the same person. I had a very, very quick mind. My son is the same way. I was bored out of my mind in school. I mean, I did well just because I was scared of my father and what he would say. But I mean, I really, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything I learned in high school. You know, I would learn enough. I mean, I, I I would learn it enough to regurgitate it on the test the next yeah. day, but that's about it, you know? Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that like, doesn't know what they want to do, doesn't, you know, think they, with the grades, they're going to get into college, probably doesn't even want to go into college, doesn't have a clue of what they want to do. What would you, any tips that you would give them to spark their curiosity, to figure out what their purpose is and their gifts are to the world? I mean, how does somebody start? You know, what's amazing in this business is I have 16 year olds that have million and a half dollar landscaping businesses. I have 16 year olds that make hundreds of thousands a month teaching other people, adults, how to use social media. So what I would say to anybody is here's the deal. Don't conform to anyone. Pick your target, visualize what you want your future life to look like, and then ask yourself this question. What are the problems other people have that I can find a way to help solve that problem and then put a fee around it or monetize it and go out and start proposing to people you'll solve their problems by helping them do something else. The mistake young people make is they've been conformed into thinking they have to do what other people tell them to do and they have to do it the way that people tell them to do it and that they have to follow this formal process in life in order to succeed. But really all that is is the people telling and projecting them their limitations because they didn't choose to do it differently. You can do anything and everything you want to do if you're dedicated and committed to doing it, but you have to find the right mentors. It's a process I created for business owners. There's eight things that you have to master. If you master these eight things, I don't care if you're 12, 15, 20, doesn't matter. The eight things are, first, you got to learn to promote. Promote yourself, promote whatever you're doing. Promote, promote, promote. It's a great part own rule. Second, you got to learn to generate some kind of profit. Like you got to get an exchange of money and make money in whatever you're doing. Cause that's an art. You need to learn to do it. And I'll explain why. Otherwise it's a hobby. It's a hobby, but 20, there's 31 and a half million small to mid-sized businesses in the United States. Two thirds of them are going to fail in the five years. 25 million of the 31 and a half have one employee because they never learn these principles. So just learn them first and then you'll start a business and succeed. Okay. So promote, learn to make a profit, create a process that'll, that took your promotion, turn it into a profit. The multiplier for those three Ps is then bring another person in is people. So if you master the four Ps in that sequence, mm -hmm. business owners want to promote and hire people to do the job. It doesn't, it never works. That's why they go out of business. Now you got to master the four Ms once you master the four Ps. Model, mimic, master, and the multiplier is multiply the people. You master those eight in sequence. It doesn't matter what you do. The what you do doesn't matter. It's who you do it with and how you do it. And if you don't learn that, then the what is going to be irrelevant. And that's why so many business owners get trapped and they stay small. So in your mentorship program, you, you mentor people from all ages, all across the board, correct? Anybody that chooses to opt in and, and can afford to take my time, except for those few that I choose to, to mentor because I'm, I'm aligned and interested in developing them. Okay, so it's with you personally. I have a whole process. I, I created a 350 leadership series over the last 15 years that I just reshot based on all the th stuff I've learned from my mentors. Okay. So I have I have little little pieces, me leadership, me leadership, and we leadership, and transformational growth leadership. Okay. I've created so many 
business formatted systems that I can teach, like the four P's and the four M's. I could talk about that all day. And if you can't master those eight things, nothing else is going to matter. Right. So, so teaching people how to set goals, how to find examples of people who have accomplished those goals. Yeah. When I was a kid, I looked at Warren Buffett. I knew at 27, 28 years old, Warren was worth 10 million. Consequently, when I was 27, I was worth 10 million. By the time I was 29, I was back down to only being worth 300 grand. I made a technical mistake. I recalibrated. Fast forward at 47, I was worth 78 million. Warren Buffett was worth 78 million. I understood there's a gap between 48 and 55. Warren is worth 500 million. So all of a sudden, I'm like, I need to find a mentor. Not my old mentors. They got me where I'm at. But I need to find a mentor who can push me further to get me from 100 million to 500 million. And I started looking. That was one of my criteria. And, and I, I wanted to do it with Natalie, my fiance. She wanted to do it with me. So finding somebody that was doing it with somebody they wanted to be with became a criteria. So the more you can tighten your criteria, that landed us on Grant and Elena Cardone. He's worth 400 and something million dollars. So I'm drafting behind Grant, creating value for Grant. I will add an extra couple billion to Grant's net worth. He is adding a couple extra billion to my net worth. So finding the right mentors, offer a hand before you ask for one. You've yeah. got to contribute to them if you want them to contribute to you. And then be okay drafting behind them. And then go all in. And if you follow that with mentors, you can go anywhere. The problem is most people pick their mentors too, too small. And then they get there. And then they don't ingratiate or they don't take enough from the mentor. And then they don't model, mimic, and master what the mentor did. So they don't actually learn to perfect what they're trying to do. So they can't go to the next mentor. They just stagnate. Yes, but Brandon, I mean, if, if somebody is picking somebody, I mean, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people would say that person's never going to talk to me. You know, maybe that's why they're not shooting as high. And when you say bring something first, the question would be, what would, what could I possibly bring? If what I'm, this is what you and I are talking about. As soon as they said that person's not going to talk to me, they just created the conditions for that person because they just they just said they're going to be a relative. When I got 21 irrefutable laws and I took what John Maxwell was teaching and then I went to 17 laws, I went to 15 laws and all of a sudden I took 53 laws and I turned it into a whole operating system with a whole bunch of other authors. Fast forward, John hears about me because I'm giving a John Maxwell leadership awards to my clients and he goes into a hearing aid office for his dad and sees a John Maxwell leadership award. And all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call that says John Maxwell sitting here wants to know who's giving his leadership awards away because he was so blown away. And I get on the phone with John and he's like, I've been sitting here for an hour listening to this provider, this business owner talk about the 53 laws, how you operationalized them and how much it's changed their life. Can you come in and show my team how to do that? And then I go to John Maxwell. See, the universe will bring it to you. Yes. Yes. I see. If you saying. expect, if I expected John Maxwell he should take my time. He wouldn't take my time. If I ingratiate over and over and over, then all of a sudden he's in my universe. How does it happen? It yeah. happens because law of attraction. It just created the environment for it to happen. And then he took action and I took action. I love it. So basically stay in your own lane, cultivate yourself. And that's what, when, that's what you go to your mentor with, whatever you can offer that you've come up with that, that you're good at offering, whatever that is. And then then usually that would be in alignment with that person. Because everybody well, most people, you, and then I, I know this happens to you. People call me and they DM me and they text me. I want you to mentor me. I want you to mentor me. And I'm like, okay, what do you know about me? Well, I, I want to meet with you. No, did you watch my 50 podcast? <laughs> like yeah. if, if you're not going to take the stuff I'm putting out there and master it, because you know, and I know that the number one compliment as a mentor, what grabs your attention is when someone shows up and says, 
Mr. Dawson, Mr. Dawson, can I talk to you for, for th just 30 seconds? Sir, sure. What, what do you want to tell me? I'm 16 years old. I listened to your podcast about finding mentors. I found these two mentors in the landscaping business. I did exactly what you said. I talked to them about, I promoted myself to them and why they should care about working with me and teaching me. I figured out how to make some money mowing lawns. I created a little process around, I hired one of my buddies and now he modeled, mimic and mastered. I have 36 people now, all cutting everybody's lawns, raking everybody's leaves, moving their snow. And I'm doing a million and a half dollars and I make more money than my parents. I'm 16 years old and I did it all in the last 12 months. Now that person, he gets your attention. Now, yeah, because he's done his homework. He's not just saying, do all the work for me. He's taken it as far as he can go and he's shown that. And now he needs your help. So he's asking. And now, now we're platforming his business and I'll take him to $10 million in the next 36 months because I, I haven't, look, for me, winner, winners win. And when you can be only, if you could, like the one thing I will tell you when people ask me, what has money done for you? A couple of things. One, it's taken the pressure off of I, everyone in my family. If I die tomorrow, they're taking care they're of taking care of. Yeah. So I'm thrilled that I can be in that position. Second thing is, if I had a health issue or anything, I'm taking care of. Mm -hmm. Third thing is, now I have a 16 passenger plane. So I can go do a mastermind every single weekend, take my team and then fly them home so they can be with their family. I can be in so many places at any given time and I can take anyone I want with me and I can bring them back when they're done so their quality of life doesn't have to be like mine was when I was doing 400,000 miles flying around wasting half my life in dirty airports and sitting on tarmacs because of bad weather. We can go in, do our thing and leave on the same day. And so my mission is to grow personally, professionally, financially, every person on my team and to make it easy because true leadership is making other people's success easy. And to yeah. the extent that you do that, you'll get more followers mm -hmm. and you'll have a greater impact. Exactly. So for, for me, if I find somebody who's, who's listening, who's following along, and this is what I love about Grant. Grant has brought true scalability to every person that cares. They can watch him on YouTube for free. They can listen to him on Instagram for free. They can download his books for free. They can pay to go get on Cardone U for $99 to develop their own personal skill sets. They can go to a boot camp, a mastermind. They can spend all the way up to investing tens of millions of dollars with them all the way through. So it can be free to tens of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But it's your choice to figure out where you want to get engaged, how you want to plug in. But if you meet Grant Cardone and you walk up, Grant, teach me how to make a million dollars. And he's like, did you download the Millionaire Mastermind booklet and have you read it? And how have you applied? You're like, no, I didn't know it was there. Then he's going to be like, okay, see you later. Mm -hmm. Because right. you're not, you're not exactly. sincere. I, I completely agree with you. In fact, yeah, I'm listening to his uh, 10x rule book. I mean, it's it's uh, it, I love it. I mean, I that see, I do. I listen to probably two books a week. I use the most of my time when I'm walking my dog for an hour. I'm like, I'm using that time to listen to a book or a podcast. I mean, these are things that keep you going. And you were saying too, like um, pushing your body. I mean, it's mind, body, spirit. It's all connected. And you know, the more that you, whatever you feed, is going to grow. So if you're feeding your mind with great thoughts, you know, other people learning more. I mean, they say that there's a study that's been done that the happiest people are always constantly learning something. It's funny, in the beginning of the interview, you, you said, I don't, I didn't like to learn, but I don't think that's true. You didn't like to learn the, the way they were teaching. Oh, I love, I love to learn. I wanted to, I wanted to circle back around to that. Yeah, I didn't did like, I don't like the way learn. they were trying to conform me in school. Exactly, exactly. I just want to make sure because yeah, there's 100%. no way you could tell where you got, have gotten where you are if you didn't like to learn, right? Learning hey, by the way, I, 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 is that a set or is that your actual office? 
It's it's a green screen. Do you it like looks it? amazing. Yeah, it should be our office. I want an office like this. It looks great. <laughs> I think you could have one if you want. I'll uh, send make, you the picture. You should see my office. I'm building in, in the home in Scottsdale. Where are you located? I'm in Palm Desert. Not too oh, far. So I have I'm a place out in Palm Desert too. You do? Yeah, I've been I've been out there 21 years at Bighorn Golf Club. I'm two about a mile and a half away from you. Yeah. I'm in between Portola and 74. There you go. So you'll be coming exactly out pretty soon because it's still a little warm. But next time you do, I want to meet you and your, um, is it your fiance or is it your wife? Yeah, here? fiance. Well, she was supposed to be my wife on 10-10-2020, but because of COVID, we pushed it to next year. Okay. Are you going to get married in the desert? No, we're going to do it in Cabo. Oh, okay. Cabo. Yeah, we've got a place there as well. So we love it. Love it in Cabo. Our house will be finished and completed in March. Right so on. we'll be doing between Arizona. So you and like the deserts, <laughs> Arizona. Been going down there for a long time. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So, how do people get a hold of you with your mentor? What's the best way through your website? Yeah. No, the easiest way, if you want to like communicate with me and see what's up and see all the activity that's going on, is just at Brandon M Dawson. My Instagram. Say it um, again. At Brandon B R A N D O N M. Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N. Yeah, that's, that's, how I, that's how I found you. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, if you want to go watch my podcasts, it's the it's the B Dawson show. I wrote that down. And I feel iTunes. like I should have known that. But watch, you mean listen. Well, watch or listen because it's on, it's also on, it's on YouTube because- Are I, you I, copying I, me, are you, Brandon? I shoot, yeah, I, yeah. Two <laughs> years ago, I started copying. <laughs> all of my, uh, all of my podcasts are also videos. Right on, right on. Fantastic. I love that because some people like to watch, some people like to listen. That's why I do that. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on and I hope that I have you on again. Absolutely. I look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, me too. All right. And thank you all for uh, listening this week and we will see you again next week. Thank you for turning in.